Welcome to episode seven of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. My name's Brian Egan from the class of 86. Before we get into today's visit that explores the origins of Kairos, I just wanted to say thank you to all the folks I bumped into this past weekend on I Street as part of the Bicentennial Celebration. There was a block party on Sunday after church at St. Al's, and if you were early enough to make it to Mass, not only did you hear Father Lingen give an amazing homily, oh my, Justin Fronda from the class of 2020, he sang during church. His contemporaries know how talented he is, and now the rest of us alums who were there for Mass know as well. At 11.30 on Sunday in the Sheehy Theater, they showed a documentary that Class of 53 member Ash Hawkins put together called A School of Men for Others. It was made in 1994, and seeing so many of the faces that we knew from that era of Gonzaga, quite a few of whom have passed on, was pretty special. So uh, tip of the cap to Ash for his great work almost uh, three decades ago and capturing the spirit of I Street in the early 90s. There was also an incredible celebration at the Sheehy Theater on Saturday night. Uh, just seeing so many faces and so many of you coming up and saying that you're enjoying these episodes really meant a lot. This very week, a new generation of Gonzaga students are experiencing Kairos for the first time. They will join 161 other groups in a fraternity of faith and a bond that's unlike any other, Kairos. How did Kairos come to be? How did it start on I Street in the mid-1980s? That's what we're going to find out today, and we begin with Father John Cicero of the Society of Jesus. John, fill everybody in on where you are now. Since August 4th, I'm new in this role. I'm the Vice President for Mission, Integration, and Ministry at Fordham University here in the Bronx. Prior to that, I was the provincial of the uh, New England and New York province. We call it the Northeast province. And fill everyone in on how your path led to Gonzaga. I came to Gonzaga in August of 1982. I had just completed my philosophy studies as a young Jesuit in, at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, and was assigned to another Gonzaga in Washington, D.C. So I began my regency at Gonzaga High School and was there from 82 to 85 before going on to theology studies in Boston to be ordained a priest. So you and I both arrived on I Street at the same time, and the headmaster at that point was Father Roger Callan. That's right. He was the one who really pushed you and Mary Ellen Whitcomb to figure out a way to make this program work on I Street. He was familiar with the program at Loyola Academy in Wilmette, Illinois, was really maybe the very origin of the of the Kairos because because when we took it from there and adapted it for us at Gonzaga, we meaning Mary Ellen and I primarily working together and looking at all the the whole portfolio of materials that came. I said to Mary Ellen, you know, can it be this complicated to give a retreat to teenagers? <laughs> and because as you may remember, the retreat is very structured. It has, you know, exercises that go with each of the days of the retreat and almost each hour of the day is kind of organized and structured. And so it was a lot to kind of take in and absorb and, and try to think, well, how will we get this on the ground here? You know, because as you said, Father Callan 
wanted that to happen. And we were interested at that point, Mary Ellen and I had done a number of retreats, you know, for freshmen and then for sophomore, each class, we had a kind of a different retreat organized. They were really geared to where we thought kids were developmentally, you know, so you'd give a different kind of retreat for freshmen than you would for seniors, you know. Sure. Um, because they're in different places. So we had experience with that, but this Kairos retreat, you know, was a, a whole new experience because of it being so kind of uh, structured. Frankly, the concern at the beginning was is it going to be too structured, you know, to kind of stifle the spirit, the Holy Spirit and the spirit among the students that you know, they would feel like they're just kind of like running the ropes, you know, going from one (laughs) exercise to the next. But we found out when we gave it, the first run was to try to take guys in their junior year, I believe, who we thought would be leaders for this retreat, do the retreat with them so that they would have a personal experience of it to draw from when they would then be a part of giving the retreat, be the leaders for the subsequent retreats. And that strategy seemed to work out pretty well. When we brought them through and had them do it with us, we were all kind of learning it at the same time. I mean, following the script pretty closely from hour to hour, we were surprised, uh, really surprised at how it did kind of inspire them move them and us too. Did you have a sense very quickly, John, that this was sticking? I did. I knew even after that first Kairos retreat, when we completed it, and then of course we reflected back on it and and what happened and what we thought worked and what we thought we might need to change and, you know, tweak it for the next time around. We knew there, there was something so deeply engaging about this experience. And that, as I said earlier, it wasn't perceived as burdensome to go through all of these exercises day after day. And that's where the retreat designers really hit upon something special. The basic themes are love, right? It's all, it's all dimensions of love, God's love, family love, my love for for peers, and kind of deepening those and making those themes, not just conceptual themes, but allowing students to experience God's love in very concrete ways in the course of that time. Each exercise invited people to go even deeper, to be able to sit back and watch how that was experienced by the students was really so consoling for me, for sure, to say, you know, we've tried other kinds of retreats, as I said earlier, and they all had their own kind of charm, you might say. But this experience was really unique in the depth that it touched people, not just individuals. You know, you'd always have retreats where one or another person would be particularly touched. But that collectively, you know, you had the whole group of people who were inspired. Was there any skepticism on your part that maybe, well, this is just too good to be true? Initially, I thought, well, maybe it's just a first fervor, kind of a, a honeymoon, as it were. You know, you, you realize how much you are loved and 
you know, that's wonderful, but it's going to pass. But it didn't. And that's the real proof of the pudding, you might say, that over the year, and that's why there are, I don't know how many, 100, you say? hundred and Actually, the number's 162. It's, it's amazing. It's so hard to believe. Because that's the consistent experience of people that stays and that they want to. What was brilliant about it is that then these students come back and they're so kind of charged with the experience that they want to share it, which is, of course, the fruit of love is you want to share it. (laughs) You don't want to hold that for yourself. You want to share it. In the sharing of it, it becomes even more embedded in oneself. One of the things I recall about my experience, hope you can maybe just share a a thought or two, is seeing people out of context. And I know that uh, Don Smith, the former Gonzaga soccer coach, isn't with us anymore. But I know that he was a part of this. And I remember when I was a freshman in 82, the cross-country team went on a trip up to Vermont. The soccer team was up there, too, at Middlebury College. Uh, It was was like this preseason camp. So I kind of knew who Coach Don Smith was. So I had this notion about him. But just like with other students, you don't really know them in this context until you do the Kairos retreat. And I was really moved by what I saw in Don in terms of his faith. That, to me, was the other special thing about Kairos. It just allowed us to see not just our peers in a different context, but also the adults. No, I think that's absolutely true. And knowing Don Smith, you know, he wasn't the type of person who wore his emotions on his sleeve. (laughs) He was, you know, he was a man's man, you know. Oh, yeah. Very much so, right? I mean, it was one thing to see me get up there and and blabber on about God and faith because people kind of we kind of expected that, that yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but to see Don or a person like that get up there and really show his vulnerability, you know, and that's that's another part of the beauty of the Kairos retreat is that it brought people to a place of vulnerability, but in a safe context, you know, where people didn't, people didn't feel threatened to share some very personal feelings and experiences. That's extraordinary. I mean, to find, and and not everybody that went was like very close friends with each other. You know, there were some who were, you know, friends, but that's what I meant about the collective kind of experience is that even if, you know, guys that you weren't or, or teachers or others that you weren't, you know, intimate friends with, in that context, it really afforded, and I think that was the purpose of the structure, it afforded a context and a space for people to be vulnerable and to hear and share very personal experiences of love and faith and relationship that you wouldn't have the space to do in another context. Let's bring to the conversation right now, John Cosgrove. Now, Father Cicero mentioned how he and Mary Ellen Whitcomb were such a big part of getting this thing going. What do you remember about Mary Ellen? She was the central powerhouse behind it. Uh, A Kairos retreat has a team of adults and a team of student leaders. Well, when they first did the very first Kairos retreat at Gonzaga, there were no student leaders, so she recruited others. And then when I came on, I do remember that the when I, my very first one, which was January of 85, um, we had 
17 people on their each is very, very small. It's my understanding now that they do four a year and it's entire classes and all of that stuff. I'm not surprised to learn that in the earliest development of that, it was like pulling teeth to get people to go on this thing until you go on this thing. Now, John, for context, do you remember what the retreat program was like before Kairos? Brother Joe Ritzman, who remains to the day one of my closest friends, he was at Gonzaga in the early 70s. Um, I believe he may have been dean of students or dean of discipline or some such thing. Again, one of my proudest achievements in life is that I roped Joe Richmond back into retreat work because he had sworn off student retreats because of his experiences in the 70s. Now, again, is this Gonzaga lore or is this fact? I don't know. But he told me, no, I'll never go on another student retreat. After they shot the cow, I was never going to go on another retreat. <laughs> so, so who knows? <laughs> so that may have perfectly articulated what the student retreat program was like um, before Kairos. But, you know, people walked away uh, from the thing recognizing their value recognizing the value of whatever faith tradition that they have at whatever level, but that taking what you learned about yourself and about your friends and about your family and about your community and about God and putting it into real life, putting it into everyday life. And gratefully, uh, that at Gonzaga, that's been, um, that's been going on for now generations. I, I know that there are, are children of my students that have been on Kairos and what their son has experienced is what they experienced. It's what uh, many, many, many others have experienced over the years. It's, um, I think it's in a lot of ways, it's what Gonzaga does best. Kairos then spread from Gonzaga. Members of the Gonzaga community would teach other Jesuit schools, other local Catholic schools, and other colleges as well. A great uh, deal of it emanated from I Street and from the Gonzaga Kairos Retreat Program, you know, Mary Ellen and Brother Joe Ritzman and Don Smith and gratefully myself, we were all involved in the early development and we were very welcoming in bringing groups into a Gonzaga Kairos. That's the way the earliest days of the training happened was we invited other schools to come in and experience it with us. And, you know, there was always that concern that here's going to be a group of, you know, eight kids and two adults from another student, how is this all going to integrate? But it always did. It, it always did that. The positive nature, the positive focus, the, it always worked. So yeah, I know Scranton Prep. I know St. Joe's Prep. I know a couple of other schools uh, learned it right there, uh, um, Gonzaga Kairos. I mean, I don't remember the exact year, but uh, Gonzaga actually brought the Kairos retreat program to St. John's. I, honestly, uh, it was a terrific, terrific retreat. And I know that their Kairos program has grown and grown and grown over the years, much like Gonzaga's has. So Now, for those who have already experienced Kairos, those who are members of 161 other groups, you know that the adult leaders and the student leaders that were part of your group are people that you never forget. And John, you were the leader for my group back in March of 1985. I certainly remember that you were in my group. When you are where you are in your life, where you were, you were a kid, there's so many things going on in your head and your heart, God's love, God's friendship, that kind of gets crowded out, right? 
I think the power of Kairos is that it's able to break through all of that in that moment and just really just almost pierce the heart of the, those who are open to it. God's love, God's friendship, just in that very, very unique setting kind of pierces your heart and it stays with you. You'll walk away from the thing, understanding that you're worthy of uh, God's friendship, of God's love, and you're valuable. You mentioned the word opportune. The word kairos means the opportune moment. And then when kairos wraps up back on I Street, you suddenly feel like, oh, this whole men for others things, it just all comes together. Because Gonzaga is what Gonzaga is, uh, you're able to take that kairos experience and, and immediately make it other-centered. Sure, you're grateful to know that you're worthy of, of God's friendship and God's love. But what do you do with it? Do you keep it to yourself? Do you hold on to it? Do you alone benefit from? No. I think that's what Gonzaga really does best. They, they make it other-centered so that in one way or another, either through your significant other or your family or your children or your work or whatever, you, you're almost compelled to turn that around and to tell other people that they have value and they are worthy of God's love and God's friendship. John, you only spent three years on I Street as part of the faculty, but you continued to come back and be a part of Kairos for 17 more years. And I imagine that when you run into folks who had you as a team leader, there's a, there's a bond, isn't there? Some of the greatest joys that I have to this day is that I have stayed in touch with, but mostly reignited friendships and relationships with uh, many of the folks from my group, many of them who are well, well, well grown past their young days. But my last Gonzaga Kairos partner, for instance, Ben Martin from the class of 2001 and I, maybe four or five years ago, we, we reignited a friendship and we talked three, four or five times a week. We will very often share uh, what you're talking about there. He'll ask, you know, did you did you know? Did you know at the time, you know, that it was it was what it was? And um, I said, no, not in the early days. I don't think we really could have possibly uh, understood the the real power of it all. Do you ever go back and look at just the design of it and think that well, maybe that's why? I'm not entirely sure. We'd need to figure it out so much. It's just to recognize that it was divinely inspired and it had the right people and all at the right time. And it seems to be, it, it doesn't seem to be, it has a very measurable, powerful effect on the hearts and minds of young people. And okay, if that's, you know, God can do whatever he wants. If he wants to do it through a, a ragtag bunch of, I mean, I was 23 years old when, when I was this director of student retreat. I wasn't that far removed from that packed head and heart myself, you know? So I don't know, maybe that was part of it too. Maybe it was because uh, there was a level of credibility it was so fresh in my own head and heart that it may have landed on your head and heart when it did in the, in the way that it did. The greatest way we can show appreciation to the Kairos retreat program uh, is to is to live it, just to act it out always in every form, you know, and you are literally living out loud the whole uh, love your neighbor as yourself, be other centered. Um, the fact that we, that I personally had an opportunity to be there in the earliest days, I consider it one of the greatest privileges of my life to this day, all these many years later. John Cosgrove sharing his memories of the early days of Kairos. 
Let's go back to Father John Cicero. Now, John Cosgrove just mentioned how much pride he feels in being a part of something in a small way that has blossomed into what Kairos is now. I imagine you have the same sense of pride? Well, you know, it does give me pride. And when I was provincial, part of my job was to travel around to all of the Jesuit schools in the province and make a visitation. It didn't take long for me to learn about the Kairos retreat, you know, maybe the 90th or the whatever Kairos retreat in that particular place. I would share with them, you know, I was on the ground at bringing this, you know, very new program to to Gonzaga. And of course, they would look at me as if I was, you know, I, I was friends with George Washington. <laughs> you know, like, how old are you, Father Cicero? <laughs> but it was, uh, it was gratifying. And I did feel proud that I was a part of you know, starting or continuing a movement that would be so powerful in the lives of so many people, as you say, Brian, in so many different places. It has become, as you probably know, one of the things that people remember about the Jesuit high school that they went to is the Kairos retreat. They may not remember what they learned in freshman algebra, but they definitely will remember Kairos. I found myself leaning on later in life, like I'll sift through some things that I, I, I still hold dear from, from my experience. And when things are a little weird or things life throws you some curveballs you're not expecting, sometimes just being able to go back and review some of those materials, it's like, oh, wait, hold on. It may have been 20 years ago. It may have been you know 30 years ago, but I, I needed to read or look at the notes that I took. And I, I'm not the only one. I've, I've talked to some other people who still have some of those materials as well. And, and when you have those things to lean on, uh, during times when maybe, you know, you've, you've forgotten the experience for a while. It's been 20 years and you forgot that feeling. We're not 17, 18 years old anymore. That's the part to me that's very gratifying. And then I got a niece went through it when she went to St. John's. Mm -hmm. When she told me she got back and I sent her this little hashtag, she's like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, I, I, I know that. And she's, so those bonds that then get passed down because I'm sure you probably have this at Fordham where Kairos has been at Fordham for a while. There's children going through Kairos whose parents went through Kairos. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the case. You know, it, it's made me think, too, that maybe it would be a useful thing to have like a, a midlife Kairos, uh, you know, for people who've been out of it for 20 years. <laughs> Instead of a midlife crisis? Years. Well, right. I mean, think about it. That's actually true, right? Kairos means the, the opportune time. So it, rather than thinking about it as kind of the midlife as the scary time that it is, and it is in some ways, as you were saying, you know, with now 20 or 30 years of, of adult experience under your belt, St. Ignatius talks about in the spiritual exercises, talks about the value of repetition. When you find consolation in prayer, you should repeat the prayer to deepen that sense of consolation. So I don't know if Mary Ellen is up for this, but maybe we'll uh, <laughs> we'll start this up again. <laughs> it's been so great to hear your voice, to see your face. I thank you for what you did, George Washington of Kairos. Um, 
And Martha, don't forget Martha. Oh yeah, Mary Martha Washington, Mary, Mary Ellen Whitcomb. <laughs> it's very rare in anyone's life to have been at the beginning of something. And God bless Father Roger Callen for being so insistent that this program that he was familiar with from Loyola in Illinois, that it come to Gonzaga. Divinely inspired, right? I agree. I completely agree. And I do feel privileged to be a part of it. And I'm grateful for this opportunity, Brian, to talk to you about it. This is, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't really sat and thought about this. It was, you know, a little while ago, uh, <laughs> 1984, <laughs> but it's been a real privilege and I'm grateful. Thank you, Father John Cicero. Now, both John Cosgrove and Father Cicero mentioned Mary Ellen Whitcomb. Now, I'm going to be getting Mary Ellen together with two of the team leaders that went on the very first Kairos retreat. Look for that episode a little later on in season one. Right now, I want to give the floor to Maddie Davin. She's a current member of the campus ministry program on I Street. Maddie, how long have you been at Gonzaga? This is my third year. When you hear how the Kairos program began all those years ago, and now the 162nd group is participating in a Kairos right now, how does that feel? It's incredible. It truly is. Uh, the Kairos program in general, but specifically the Kairos program here in at Gonzaga, I think has some very special merit. And as a 2014 graduate of Visitation, you know the Kairos experience well. Yeah, so I went on Kairos 15 over at Visitation, fall of 2013, and we were only on our 15th compared to, you know, where Gonzaga was at that time. And when you hear how it began and you see now in 2021 how far it spread, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's wild. Catholic schools, high schools, colleges, it's an integral part, I think, of faith formation in schools these days. Maddie, who are the adult leaders of the 162nd Kairos? I, I know Mark Howe mentioned that he was going to be a part of it this year. Who else? We have Mr. Andrew Bevilacqua, Ms. Caitlin Farley, Ms. Danielle Flood, Mark Howell, of course, Mr. Brian Kilner, class of 2016, Mr. A.J. Powers, class of 2017, Dr. Chris Schaefer, and Mr. Stephen Salazi. And how many students are making the Kairos retreat for the first time this week? We have 54 retreatants out at Loyola and eight student leaders. Those student leaders are so important. I, I still remember names like Bill Donnellan, John Swope, Pat O'Neill, John Getchis, Ethan Furkus, Tom Smith from my days on I Street. Who are the student leaders for the 162nd Kairos so we can keep them in our prayers? Sure. Um, we have Marcos Egan, James K. Miller, Peter Mildrew, Eddie Paquette, Federico Silvani, Grayson Harkness, Colin Weber, and James Sampaniero. Now, is James related to Joe from the class of 87? Yes, that's correct. Maddie, I know you've only been with Campus Ministry for three years, but have you seen some Gonzaga Kairos legacies get to experience the program? Yeah. We were on campus for Kairos last year, and I was with a student, and he walked past those signs of all the names, and he was able to point to a retreat in the 80s and say, that was my dad. He was leading a retreat then. Um, and now he's going to be, hopefully, fingers crossed, one of our leaders this year. So you can really see how much you know someone's retreat in the 80s can affect someone's retreat today. Maddie, thanks so much for the time and sharing some of what's going on with Campus Ministry today on I Street. Appreciate it. Of course. Happy to do it. And we'll keep your team in our prayers this weekend. Thank you. That puts a wrap on this Kairos-focused episode of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. Up next in episodes eight and nine, we're going to focus on the legendary stunts that Gonzaga students have pulled off 
to make sure everyone in the Washington, D.C. area knew it was time to go Gonzaga, beat St. John's. Will Morris and Jim Nelson from the class of 67 will tell the tale of what they pulled off. The rivalry renews for the 100th time on November 5th at Buchanan Field, and we'll get you ready over the next two weeks. Again, thanks so much for the feedback. You can always shoot me an email, podcast at gonzaga.org. Until next time, ad maorium, dei glorium, and hail Gonzaga. March,